0: Hello, and welcome to the Federal Contracting Made Easy podcast, where we take the complex world of government contracting and break it into simple steps that any small business owner can master. Now, let me introduce your host, Nancy Byerly. Hello, and welcome to Federal Contracting Made Easy where we take the complex world of government contracting and we break it down into simple steps that anyone can master. I'm your host, Nancy. Today, we're on episode 117, and we are going to talk about getting started as a government contractor, steps you need to take place. And I want to thank one of our viewers for this suggestion. Thank you very much. But this may not be the step-by-step that you think. Normally... In the government, when they said, "How do I get started?" they'll tell you you need to go to SAM and register. You need to get a DUNS number. You need to get a cage code. You need to do do that. You need to have a capability statement. You need to do all that. I'm going to talk about the steps that you need to do prior to registering for the government. Market research. You need to find out in today's day and age, and the way the procurement policy and everything has changed. A lot of the procurements that were done in the local areas had now gone to larger contract vehicles. We talked about this in the past. As a result, opportunities that may have been here for you in your geographical location may no longer be available. So you need to perform market research. You need to go see who purchases products or services that you sell in your niche in your geographical location. In order to do that, you're going to go to Federal Procurement Data System, Next Generation, or you're going to go to usaspending.gov. Going to go in and perform that research. Now you're going to list the agencies that use them. And you want the lowest level agency. You don't want the Department of Commerce. You want a subset of the Department of Commerce that actually purchased and procured that service or that product. Get a list of all those agencies. At the same time, it's going to list a lot of the top competitors that have won contracts. Get a list of their names too. You're gonna use them in a later step. All right, let's go to the next step. So you're gonna identify those specific agencies that use your products and services. You are going to select the top three agencies that are the smaller agencies. Anything outside of DOD I would consider smaller. Once you select those top three agencies, you're going to go into the website for that particular agency, whether it's Forest Service or whatnot, and you're gonna look up how to do business with the Forest Service. They're gonna go through a background. They're gonna tell you how they list their opportunities or solicitations that come out. They're gonna tell you, here's different services that we provide. But more importantly, they're gonna tell you your mission, their mission. You want to know what mission they do. And you want to come at it from a sales point is, how does my product or service help them achieve their mission? Is there something that I do that can save them time, money, and resources? But go ahead and get this step done. Because obviously, you're not going to market to 430 agencies within the federal government. Next is one that's a little controversial. I want you to learn the government lingo. To me, the only way you're going to learn the government lingo is to go out and look at a prior solicitation and write up a proposal for it. A lot of the things that you're going to use on your proposal is going to be used later on. So it's not really a waste of time. Your organizational chart, your business history your key personnel. Those are items that are not going to change from procurement to procurement. They may change year to year, but you will keep them updated anyways. But go ahead and start doing that now. It's going to allow you to get familiar with the government lingo. Remember, an acronym can have multiple meanings. AWS, awaiting service. Well, AWS also happens to mean alternate work schedule. So you can see that has two possibilities and you want to make sure that when you're looking at the government that you're using the right one. All right, let's go on. Remember those list of competitors that you've got before? Well, now you're going to research your competitors and you're going to come up with what are their strengths, what are their opportunities, what are their threats, and what are their weaknesses. I didn't say that in the right order, but it's called a SWOT, Strength, Weaknesses, Opportunities, and Threats. And you're going to analyze your top five competitors and you're going to look at them and see what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses, what are their opportunities, and what are their threats. Once you have a good understanding of that, then you're going to proceed to the next step, which is 1D. Now you're going to perform that SWOT analysis on your own business. You're going to look at your strengths. You're going to look at your weaknesses. What opportunities do you have? What threats do you have? Are there any weaknesses that you can turn into a strength? Are there any threats that you can turn into an opportunity? You're going to then compare your business against your competitor's business and say, what do I do better than they do? What strengths do I have? that they don't have and those you're going to actually list on your capability statement later on now you have a business decision you need to make the decision of whether you believe you can successfully win on government contracting can you bid on a contract do you have a chance of actually winning that bid against these competitors that you've now spent the time analyzing if the answer is yes then congratulations we can move on step 1f If not, then go back, reevaluate your business, spend some time, improve on it, and then come back and run through this series again. You need to have the capability to hire employees with government contracting experience. They are going to be worth their weight in gold. One of the reasons you want to hire these employees, I will tell you is because when you're out bidding on contracts, especially if you're a day contractor, this is what typically happens. You go out and you bid on a contract. Your working capital is really low. You win a contract and then you perform on that contract. Your working capital goes up. After the contract's completed, you go out searching for the next opportunity. What happens to your working capital? It goes back down. If you had an employee and you hired that employee, it's like a project manager if you're in construction, and that project manager was actually able to go out and work on that contract, it allows you to go out and find the next opportunity so that you can maybe do two opportunities at the same time if you have the capability within your organization to do that, or you've at least got one opportunity when this one finishes, you got the next one, you got the next one. And then you can hire more employees so that you can continue to build. So your working capital is going to step in an upward direction and not be this upward and downward and upward and downward. That is what we want to get away from. Also, those employees will have relationships with people throughout the federal government. They're going to know what's actually going on. They're going to know, well, their government's going to have this opportunity coming down the pike in the next six months. I think we can capitalize on it. And they're going to tell you about that. And so they're going to say, hey, we have this opportunity and we know about it. And I think it'd be perfect for for the business that you have. And then you can turn around and make that decision. Yeah, that's a good opportunity. Or no, that's not an opportunity. And here's why. But at least you're going to know about things before they come out on FedBizOps. Now you're going to spend some time researching procurement opportunities. Why? Because when you research the procurement opportunities, it's going to provide you with a list of contacts, people that you can meet and do capabilities briefings to. That is the number one reason why. Two, it's going to get you at least some, maybe some possibility of some opportunities to track. So what you're going to do is open your internet browser. In your internet browser, you're going to type... 2020 federal procurement forecast agency name for example 2020 federal procurement for- forecast forest service you're going to run the list that listing is going to tell you a brief description of the job it's going to tell you fiscal quarter of when they plan to release the solicitation and when they plan to award if there's a set aside associated with it it's going to be listed there it's going to have a price range, a varied price range from like 100000 to 500000 It's going to give you a point of contact with a phone number and email address. These are the people that you're going to start reaching out to. But you're going to want to save those because you never know when those opportunities may be one that's going to get fulfilled and you'll be able to chase them and you'll have something to talk about with the contracting officer. So let's go on to step 1H, finding opportunities. Now, I kind of walked you through this a little bit in the last slide, but finding opportunities, I wanted to tell you that, yes, the government does federal forecasts. Yes, some agencies are better at others. Yes, 99% of the time, you may not get anything off that forecast. The whole process of going through this procedure is so that you can get contacts and build a rapport with contracting officers. Outside of those small business specialists. A lot of times, those small business specialists will be gatekeepers. They have to have a warm fuzzy that they think you're going to be successful before they'll let you get into and provide capability briefings to these other people. I'm providing you a way around some of that. Small business specialists may not like it, but these are some of the ways that you can get to contracting officers and be able to start selling your business to them. Remember, this is all about building trust. You need to start building relationships. So you're going to call, you're going to set up a time to go in and talk to these small business specialists and contracting officers. You're going to go in with your capability statement. You're going to come in and sit down and say, look, I can save the government money because we have a new process in place. And this process saves us and allows us to build a building in less time at a reduced cost. You're going to open up their ears. You're not going in and saying, hey, I'm a woman-owned business. I do construction. Where can I bid on a contract? No, you're going in and selling them because you've done your research before. You know what their mission is. You know what what they need because you need to help them meet their mission requirements. So if you can turn whatever product or service you do and sell them and tell them, I can do it at a reduced cost, reduced price, it's going to open their ears and it's going to make them listen. That's the whole purpose here. Then, after the meeting, you're going to follow up that evening. You're going to send them an email thanking them for their time, thanking them for the opportunity to meet with them, asking them if they have any further questions, and you're going to include a copy of their capability statement and your capability briefing if you gave one. Then, you're going to tell them, I hope you don't mind. We're going to be reaching out in the near future to follow up and see if you still have any questions. Why? Because that's going to allow you an opportunity to continue to follow up. This is not a meet with them, send an email, and you're done. This is building relationships. In order to build relationships, it means you have to continually meet with them. You're going to want to do this at least on no less than a quarterly basis. Federal Procurement Forecasts. Yeah, I kind of beat this one death a little bit already, but we talked about those federal procurement forecasts and how they're not always accurate and they're not that stuff. But remember, they can be stuff on there that actually is tracked. GSA is really good about keeping theirs up to date. They update theirs quarterly. I pretty much guarantee you that the majority of the items listed in GSA are going to be procured they'll even tell you when they've the status of what's actually happening with each one of those procurements. I really like the way GSA does this. They do an outstanding job. I wish all agencies did that now yeah it's it's kind of hit or miss but the whole purpose is to build relationships with those people and that's why we're looking at those forecasts All right now is the time that you start your registration process. And SAM registration should only take you approximately one hour at the most to complete, start to finish. You're going to go to SAM.gov, and not beta.SAM.gov, but SAM.gov. You're going to create a new entity, and you're going to go in there and register. When you get to the part where it requests a DUNS number, you're going to contact DUN and Bradstreet. Or if you want to get a head start, you can contact DUN and Bradstreet first get your DUNS number, and then come back and fill out the application. I happened to do mine this way. I just went out and said, okay, what's the next step? It said DUNS number. Great, went out, got the DUNS number, came back, entered it in. When they got it in the system and it registered, it allowed me to go on. It took me about a month and a half to get the total registration, and a lot of that was because there was a hiccup with my registration as far as my CAGE code went, and that was something I had to work out with DLA. Normally, it can be done within a couple of weeks. Don't wait until you're chasing opportunities and then say, oh, I didn't register with Sam. Don't make that mistake. Get registered and get registered in plenty of time. You're going to want to develop a capability statement. A capability statement is similar to a resume for your business. It is a one-page document front and back. You know, they're going to list your top Nates codes. They're going to see your Sam profile for the others. You're going to list any bonding kits you have, single and aggregate. You're going to list some past performance. You're going to list your key differentiators. What sets you apart from those competitors that you've researched before? You're going to show maybe some pictures in there. I will have some examples. You can go to my website, byerlyenterprises.com slash federal I'll have a link in today's show notes, and it will sh- federal products. But you can go to my website and I have plenty of examples out there. If you don't know how to do one and you need some help, I do charge and that is a service I provide along with the SAM registration process. Once you're good to go there and finish your capability statement, we go on to the next step. You're going to attend workshops, seminars, seminars, You're going to start going out. You're going to go to SBA and attend any set-aside trainings that they have. Get familiar with the regulations that are covered there. You're going to have to get familiar with the CFR. You're going to go to each one of those locations and get familiar with the regulations and understand the requirements. Then you're going to go to PTAC, Procurement Technical Assistance Centers. A lot of times, PTACs will have monthly meetings where you can go meet with prime contractors like LSI, ADK, Thiokol, Boeing, those types of companies and you can get your foot in the door and start selling your products or services or maybe even becoming a subcontractor on one of their potential new contracts. Also, they provide opportunities for you to meet with federal government agencies. They can help you with the, your proposal writing. There's a lot of things that they do. You're going to want to build a database for your contacts, whether that's Excel or a software application like ACT or some other application. But you're going to go on there and have a contact database because you need to have a particular system for you to reach out and start calling these individual agencies and the people within those agencies and doing follow-up and have notes and say, okay, I talked to them this day. And uh, little summaries of what happens so that if somebody comes along and you pass this on to another employee, they can go, oh, wow, I can see what I need to do now. And they can see what the relationship is. Well, lastly, network, network, and more network. You're going to want to network your little network off. Keep networking to everybody. And that's basically the steps to getting started as a successful government contractor. Yes, this is not what you probably experience. You probably like walk me through the SAM registration, walk me through Dunn's number, walk me through th- that. I'll probably do separate videos on those at a later date. But this is preparing your business to succeed in government contracting, the steps you need to take. I hope you enjoyed today's video. Please remember to subscribe, hit that like button, and as always, until next time, be safe.